Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now you just said something you don't say often. What's that? That I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I didn't know if you are going to go all SOT Metalworks there and say live and direct from the uh, Derby compound. I, I can't go taking that. Yeah, that's true. We need, we need SOT here for that yeah. one, so. That's just that's just not right. But we do have Farmer Chris back. We do. Farmer, Farmer Chris. Chris isn't we we do. We also have Farmer John, but he uh, conveniently likes to hand, hide behind the yeah. camera. Pretty soon, he'll have his time to shine. Yeah, one of these Whether days. He likes it or not. We need to have a podcast with Farmer. No, I tell you, who we really need to have a podcast with. Yeah. Is Mrs. Farmer John? Oh yeah. Because I'm agree. pretty sure that uh, we'd get a little bit of scoop on both the Farmer Chris and Farmer John. <laughs> Just glad you didn't say dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I don't know if the world's quite ready for that. Oh, I know. I know. Could you imagine if we had your dad and Aaron together on a podcast? Oh, my goodness. So they, gotta, they'd gotta, be fighting over the radio somewhere. <laughs> you got to give a little bit of history to that. Um, dad was a bowling maker for um, several years. He has he retired when he was 55, but... Uh, I guess you would say Dad was the experienced bowling maker time, and then uh, Aaron come in as the apprentice. I think what we, what Aaron will never admit is is in the construction world, Aaron was your dad's bitch for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So as apprentice, you gotta go through the learning curves, I guess. And uh, but Aaron, uh, Aaron got hold of the radio. I guess when you're when you got the radio, you're the, <laughs> you're the big guy. Everybody watches my so. channel. We know how much Aaron likes the radio. Yeah, well, so. Now I understand why. But. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get that memo. No, definitely. If you've heard Aaron talk about before, if you're in that power plant business, uh, dad's come home, all you see is the white of his eyes some days. So, yeah. luckily, with the bowl maker trade, you can retire at the age of 55 and not take a, a dock and or a beat. Aaron's actually even a little ahead of schedule on that because he got started so early because yeah. he got kicked out of school when he was 14. So, dad took the advantage of retiring at 55, but. Uh, he says he retired from the wrong trade. He should have retired from farming and stayed at the bolt maker. <laughs> Some things are going good on the farm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how it's supposed to be, isn't it? Yep. So, Dad and Aaron's got some uh, work history together. but uh, Every time we do a job for Farmer Chris and Aaron's with me and Pat's there, we have to rehash all the old times, and we spend 45 minutes getting absolutely nothing done. Yeah. And they're usually arguing about over who was right on a job that had nothing to do with anything we're doing that day. It probably wasn't Aaron. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Well, in Pat's eyes, Aaron was never right. In Aaron's eyes, Pat's and Pat was never yeah. right. Oh, yeah. so, and but, that was uh, just two generations looking at the same same job. Yeah. Well, the other part is, is you guys obviously know Aaron's a colorful character, and Pat's not too far behind him. Oh, okay. So we got, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a good time to uh, say the least. So. Yeah, for sure. 
Anyways, what's our, uh, we are, do we have a topic? You're in charge of this operation. We got. I feel like I started writing episode notes for this. And? I didn't. It's for the next episode. You've had a busy week, ain't you, too? <laughs> it's been a real busy week, I'll tell you what. I spun my wheels and got nothing accomplished all week. But you know what the good news is? He finally came to visit, spun his wheels, and hasn't got stuck yet. I say he wasn't spinning wheels in snow this time. Well, that's not true. <laughs> it did it's snow uh, Friday. Last Friday, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. yeah, whenever he was here. So Now, they say if it rains on your wedding day, it's good luck. If it snows when you in a state where it's not supposed to snow, when you close on a house, is that good luck? I haven't heard nothing on this well, one yet. The way it's going, not really. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got an uphill battle with it, well, it looks like. You. It yeah. might just be uh I might be a property owner in Indiana for record time. <laughs> the property's not the problem. No. We should no. we should we should mention that without the, filling in the blanks. The property is yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Um, I've been showing off pictures of the waterfalls and everything left and right. Uh, we, we started making a, a short series because anybody who watches my channel even knows I have a channel. Yep. Um, I'm not posting videos for this for a while. It's a lot of editing. I, I kind of, uh, let the camera just run for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Basically hit, hit record in the beginning and then let the battery die. Um, so we, we started doing shorts. And did you? There's a lot of there's a lot of mixed feelings. A lot oh, yeah. of people don't think uh, uh, Mike knows how to swing a hammer. Oh, the yeah. internet don't think I know how to do anything. It's amazing I can pee without hitting my foot. <laughs> <laughs> I have no no uh, information whether or not you can or cannot, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll keep it that I way. You know, I never like I knew I was an idiot, but YouTube was confirmation, and it's amazing oh, I can. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing I can walk out a door and not into a wall. Yeah, well. Oh, it's, uh, that's you quacking. Usually I quack. <laughs> All right. Not guilty. So, yeah, it's... Uh, shorts are uh, shorts on YouTube are interesting. Some people love them, some people hate them. Yeah, well, they're convenient for me right now. I've got yeah, a few They are convenient. Up. And they're nice for me, too, because my videos are so far out, so if I want to post something current, yeah. I can, you know, pop that in there really quick. And well, I'm also... That. I'm going to... Since I'm, I'm now... At least my, my residence is in... Uh, your time, if you will. Mm -hmm. I guess that means that my videos go three months behind no matter what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, there's, there's, it's been said before, there's just not much to film in Derby, so. I, well, I don't live in Derby. Oh, this is true, so you got all kinds of filming. Why didn't you bring your camera? Because there's nothing to film in Leopold. Oh. Let's farm where Chris is farming down there. He's yeah. been known to get the uh, combine stuck in that neck of the woods. Yeah, the combine stuck in <laughs> yeah. uh, I got a truck and trailer stuck here. <laughs> Sounds like we got a truck and trailer stuck somewhere else right now too. What <laughs> <laughs> you, Captain Cleman? Yeah, Captain Cleman's got my um, um, got my truck buried in a field right now, and he told me good news: the mirrors ain't broke. So I think we're. Well, good he didn't there, say anything about the power steering hose, though. Well, not only does the internet think you're an idiot, they don't think overly highly of Captain Kleeman, apparently, because one of the comments was, let Kleeman remodel the house, and when it catches on fire, collect the insurance money. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's the only good firefighter we got around here. You may have a chance of getting it out and doing that right. Well, no, because he gave me wonderful advice. He basically said that if, if you're... Because I was looking at, like, fancy smoke detectors or whatever, they yep. sent my phone a text because I'm not going to live here for a little bit. He goes, I got news for you. If... Uh, 
your house catches on fire, you're better off just saying your goodbyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to come full circle regular, uh, re- later here in the podcast because Chris is on the volunteer fire department. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you do know the topic. Huh? So you do know what we're going to talk about. Kind of, sort of. But okay. I don't know how we're going to get there yet. I'm waiting for you to drive the boat. Yeah. I think we should dive into it. Every time I say it, Chris rolls his eyes and sighs. So, <laughs> well, it, it's a sore subject. It's a hard subject to figure out. But uh, there is a yeah. problem on the subject. It's just we can't get the man pirated yeah. to do it. So. Well, let's dive right on into it then. Um, so you were on about two months ago, and we talked about... Was it that long ago? It was. Um, it was in January. And um, we talked about the current state of agriculture getting into the season, and you were seeing some shortages and prices going up. And uh, you actually made a comment that it make it interesting if um, China invades Taiwan. Yes, I did, didn't I? We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure this one out yet. It's uh, so Russia has invaded Ukraine. We're now in it's the uh, the middle of March. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah, middle of March, and uh, and things are happening across the the ocean. And I'm just wondering, has that changed much of uh, of your world? Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, we're not uh, exporting any uh, any fertilizers coming out of Russia. You know, all exports of anything out of Russia has been banned, but. Uh, Actually, everything out of the Black Sea has been uh, put on hold for his export because we just, uh, well, that's what we're being told by the news media. We actually found out uh, last week that Russia is exporting grain hmm. out of the Black Sea region, but Ukraine is not. So uh, I don't know what's, well, I guess if Russia's got the warships in the Black Sea, they're letting their own ships come through, you know, to get grain and go out. So Right. Um, the debate now is, is Ukraine going to get a crop in? You know, they're a, they hold the majority of the black soil in the world. Really? They're the biggest black soil holder in the world. So very fertile ground. And if you look at them on the latitude, longitude, whatever term we need to use, they're very similar growing season as what we call the I states. Okay. Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. So their growing season is very similar with what we got here. So their corn needs to be going in the ground in the next 60 days. And Well, I've seen some of their tractors working doing other things. <laughs> pulling t- pull tanks, <laughs> ain't they? So, I don't know if so, uh, you can plant with that. But. Do, they have, do they have the seed? Do they have the fertilizer? Do they even have the infrastructure to get the equipment to the field? Right. Do they want to make the investment in putting a crop out and have a tank plow right through the middle of it? Well, from what I've seen, so, I don't know how deep we can get into this. From what I've seen, you ain't got to worry about a tank going through the field. Um, Maybe be a drug up the road, but. So far as Ukraine and the corn. Long story short, the whole system's disrupted over there. Yes. Yeah. And it's affecting worldwide, like I mentioned in the past. No mm-hmm. matter what happens, it's going to be a worldwide thing. So. Right. The corn stock, worldwide corn stock is tight already. I mean, we're sitting here looking at $7 corn, which is, it's touched $8 here once already and backed off. What's it? What was it like two years ago or so? Even last year? Uh, two years ago, last I'd say two years ago, we was looking at two two dollars and thirty cent corn at one time. And that's that's for you to buy or for you to sell? For us to sell corn. So in theory, your things are looking better for. If you didn't, yeah, but when it get four dollars, we got excited and Ford contracted a bunch of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so it has hurt me. So I do have some four dollar corn booked for twenty twenty two falls that we can we should be selling for seven dollars now. So right. how's that gonna trickle down to uh to peons like Mike and I? Well I don't know how it's gonna trickle all down. I always said crude oil or corn followed crude oil, which we seen last week crude went from $130 a barrel to $94 a barrel mm. and corn went up 50 cents. So my theory didn't work right there. So, <laughs> but, uh, definitely corn's going to get tight. Um, livestock is, is your main. I know there's a bunch of talk, you know, with us banning Russian uh, crude oil right now, they're saying if we take, um, ethanol from 10% to 15% at the pump, we can fulfill that uh, that void from Russian crude oil. So basically we're going to um, ruin more carburetors, plug more fuel injectors, decrease fuel economy. If, you're, if your motor's set very long, it will. Yeah. If you're running yeah. actively, I think it's fine. At some point, when it's, when it's the lesser two evils, we better off being self-dependent or self-sufficient and having mechanical issues are being mm-hmm. dependent yeah. on foreign countries. I mean, at some point, it's going to be the survival of the fittest, and the fittest is going to be who, who can be more self-sufficient as far yeah. as the country's concerned. And mm-hmm. yep. I mean, we're not in good shape here in the States, neither is in a lot of other countries around the world. No, I think everybody got hit pretty hard regardless. And, and yeah. you know, I don't, I'm not even going to theorize, but, you know, Russian and Russian invading Ukraine, I think, is part of that as an attempt to be more self-sufficient between the yep. fertile dirt and the mm-hmm. natural resources they got there. Is that makes them less dependent on the rest of the world. Right. Um, and we definitely don't need to be going invading people, but we yeah. uh, we need to find ways to do that ourselves. Right. Uh, whether it be ethanol or or more drilling or yep. finding ways to use less of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you keep seeing this. It's going to get off ag here. You keep seeing that Keystone XL pipeline brought up. Yep. I still don't know if that brings more oil into the United States because I think that's more designed to bring Canadian oil to refineries at Texas um, to be exported. I mean, I don't know. I saw – oh, yeah, I muted myself. There. I saw a map on it not too long ago, which actually explained what it did exactly. And But I got my I whole got theory on why the XL pipeline got shut down. So. Oh, do tell. <laughs> well, you know, the, you don't want to get into politics, but the, uh, do, do we really care? The current president shut it down. Yes. The biggest supporter of the current president is Warren Buffett. Yes. Warren Buffett owns a great big choo-choo train company. Yes. That gets to transport crude from Canada to Texas if this pipeline's not in place. Yes. So he got the gas lines shut down so his train can stay in business. This crude's still going to Texas. So it's going people. on train, burning fuel instead yep. of being pumped through a yep, yep. pipeline. Yep. <laughs> um, it also, I mean, I mean, yeah. That, in a nutshell, that's it. I but, know that we have a pipeline from Canada down, but the Keystone, I guess, would double the capacity or something like that. Yeah. And uh, well, the, the the thing you guys got to remember is the Keystone pipeline's the big one. There's several other pipelines that got shut down and not finished as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Including a few on the East Coast for, for whatever reason it is. But 
you know, everybody wants to talk green, 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 green. Pipeline's one of the greenest things you can use to move material and crude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you may disturb some habitat, as the environmentalists would say, but how much habitat are you saving by not burning fuel running this up down the rail and the infrastructure it takes to build and maintain that rail, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. I mean, in that whole theory could be applied to uh, solar and um, and wind as well. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it may produce green energy, but it is not green to produce the equipment that does that, and then nor oh, no. is it green to dispose yeah. that. So you can't just look at one aspect of the whole scheme of things. A windmill produces green power. How much dirty power did it take to produce the windmill? Yeah. And then once the windmill runs its life, how much dirty nasty things right so lump that all together from build install usage dismantle dispose and then then how green is it really you know what i mean so i don't know i don't i just don't see the the valid argument with these pipelines i just don't see it i i like the idea of green energy Um, oh i do too but i don't think that we're there yet to where it's it's practical i mean i i I support it 100 percent, but i just I, I feel like we need to look at it as a package and not a piece. Yes. Is the way I guess I'm trying to describe it. Yeah, and it, it goes back to what you were saying. You have to be green all the way around if you right. want to be green. You have to be green from from the build to the install to, yeah. to, to you know, just keep going on. I on. did watch an interesting uh, video on YouTube the other day. The double distilled. I'm, I'm here to tell you. Double, oh, yeah, I, I question this. <laughs> They double distilled moonshine, so it was 190 proof moonshine. So moonshine's made of corn. Okay. They could take 80% moonshine with 20% gasoline. Okay. And they were running tractors and motorcycles on it. Sure. Absolutely. So can we make tax free? That's not a steal. That's a gasoline plant. That's sir. a gas plant there. <laughs> Someone pull the plug real quick. Yeah. FBI knocking on our doors. Yeah. I mean, well, there was uh, there used to be people last time diesel got this high. There's people going around and collecting all the. Uh, uh, people going around and collecting fryer all the fryer oil for their diesel yeah. trucks, running their diesel trucks yep. off fryer oil. You still can. I mean, I, I've seen, again, people on the internet. So I'm interested in looking into it and maybe doing some experiments, but certainly not with my truck. Yep. Yeah, well, the, the other um, thing is, is the old slobbering diesels don't care what you run through them. The new stuff with electronic injections oh, yeah. a little bit more. Well, what they're doing is they're, they're taking uh, used motor oil. And they're distilling it, and they're running it in their trucks. Can we use, can we put it, distill it in gra- Chris's gas still? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. And then the next thing, you know, while we're on fuel, they're talking about this sustainable aviation fuel. So it's made of corn and ethanol too, or corn soybean, kind of a mixture. So I'm gonna be honest, ethanol airplanes are the last thing I want ethanol in. So they're flying jets. At least they haven't put DEF on them yet. It's coming. They're flying jets across the world, right? Or, yeah, you know, with tests with uh, biodiesel and ethanol blend in them. So right. If this takes off, um, it's going to be a f- food versus fuel fight, yeah. I think. But when we make fuel out of grain, there's so many byproducts coming out of the backside. I mean, I think the food v- versus fuel will be with the rest but well here's the next question though is is if we have this much more need for grain do we have the ground to grow it on like 
right now for 2022, the numbers I'm hearing, we've got 180 million acres in the U.S. for a corn-soybean mixture. So we're looking at, you know, you split right down the middle, 90 million acres of each. And it ain't going to go no more than 88 million to 92 million ratio one way or the other just to do what we need to do right now. They're saying if this aviate news sustainable fuel takes off, we need another 25 million acres of soybeans. Well, above what we are now. We can just go on Amazon and order <laughs> a couple a couple hundred yeah, thousand yeah. acres and prime so, shipping will have it here in no time. But like, as far as uh, <laughs> You know what I'm seeing here in southern Indiana, I mean it's going to be different. I think all the fertilizer needs is here, mm-hmm. or it's on the way. It, it takes so long to get it here. It's already been ordered. We did get a call last Wednesday that fertilizer went up $100 a ton. No notice or nothing, just $100 a ton raise. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to assume for the people listening to this that that's a lot. Well, when it's going from uh, $880 a ton to $980 a ton. Mm-hmm. What was it two years ago? It was down around four hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars a ton. So it's doubled and then it's went up another hundred. And then went up another hundred. So, um, and I don't have my exact numbers with me. I think we're going to be buying somewhere around five hundred ton this year. So, you know, I'm not good at math, but that's a big number. You know, that's another five thousand dollars increase in one one day's phone calls. So. Yeah, which. You've got to eat, basically. Yeah, yeah, we've literally. got to eat, but yeah, <laughs> literally, we did we did scramble and uh, and get the old price locked in. I mean, the company did work with us, and uh, right now, do you still see the um, natural fertilizers as an option, like the the turkey? Sheep? Yeah, yes, yeah, so I'm on a. Turkey Sorry, turkey. Poop. I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag here. That was, I guess that was a technical term. Oh, okay. We're going to go back to the acre question. Um, we're 2,600 acres we're going to be planting this year. Mm-hmm. Three, number. Yeah. <laughs> Three-fourths of our acres is going to have a manure on it. Mm-hmm. And I know on that last podcast I said organic fertilizer. Yeah. And somebody questioned it. And I'm not organic farming, and I just call it organic fertilizer because it's a animal product, you know, so... Yeah. When I say organic fertilizer, I'm talking about an animal waste or an animal byproduct. So, mm-hmm. but three fourths of our acres has got some type of hog manure, uh, turkey manure, or, or cow manure on it. Right. Um, you know, and another thing you get out there is everybody's wanting to go wanting organic crops, or to grow organic crops, you gotta have organic fertilizer, which is manure. Which stink comes with manure, but they don't like the stink, so I don't know how we're going to get organic fertilizer on organic crops to make what they want. But I'm pretty satisfied with where we're sitting at. The seed's all been secured. The chemicals secured. The chemicals, we've had to jockey around. We don't get our name brand, or we've had to switch chemical names from one to the other, but the fertilizer, I think, is all in place. Right. Fuels went up. Fuels come back down. Um we hit on that on that last podcast I was on, and that's the biggest. As uh, uh, far as how it's affecting me right now, fuel's the biggest thing. I mean, uh, some plastic products continue to go up quite a bit, and and you got to be, 
you just can't make assumptions that you can go to the store and pick certain things up now. You may have to, right? you know, be a little bit more cautious about that and, and call around a little bit. I mean... Well, we found that out with paint today. Yeah. Just um, try, Well, that and um, I was talking to Norm, the price of PVC is apparently through the roof. Yeah. Just to plastic, buy a Plastic prices are ridiculous right yeah. now from field tile to ditch culverts to water lines to conduit. Yeah. And that's just because it's a, a crude oil product yeah. you know, it's just falling well apart. i think it's a combination of crude oil product and it's also a combination of shortages you know they right. all the implants shut down and then they just haven't caught back up and uh people got um stimulus money or or had time to sit at home for projects so and yeah. they thought everything was going to slow down everything sped up and they're not producing and right. i don't want to say a lot of people got caught with their pants down but here we are you well, know a lot, lot of these companies whether they want to admit it or not they got a plan in place for about six months worth of inventory. Right. So, you know, we shut everything down in this country and we went on six months perfectly normal. Everybody thought, well, it, we got this. We're perfectly normal. Yeah. Well, we're not going to see the effects of that until eight months to a year later. And once we have seen the effects of that, it was too late. We're so far behind playing catch up. Yeah. And you still have a demand for things because people right. still and then, aren't. And then things start order. coming back online at different times. So if you got a product, just use a vehicle for an example. If you've got a product that requires a hundred different things, mm -hmm. if one of those don't come back online with the other ones, microchip processors, you may as well not have any of them because you're sitting there dead in the water. And I yeah. think that's what that's the a part of the issue with a lot of the shortages now is it's there's just one missing piece. Right. And well, we were seeing that. I mean, I know a lot of the manufacturers were dealing with it. Going back to vehicles, like Ford had the um, the Speedway across from there plant in lexington yeah just filled with trucks waiting for microchips and then like yeah. i mean with your truck yeah i bought it i bought it so ford ford kind of took the um motto of uh, build it get the chip in sell it yeah. as normal i bought a new general motors truck and they kind of went a little bit of a different route they're like all right here's your truck it ain't gonna have x x features on it that it should come standard with but we're gonna discount the price and go on down the road right so my truck is missing I don't know, six or eight features, nothing that really mattered a whole lot to me. It's a lot of um, comfort features. Yeah, well, that one is the, uh, it shuts off cylinders. Yeah, so. Man, I'd like to order it. I mean, they were, they were very upfront with me about, hey, this truck's yeah. missing X, Y, and Z. Here's the reflection on the price. Sounds good. Have a good day and I'm out the road. I'd like to do some more investigation on Ford. You know, they built those trucks, stockpiled them, waiting on parts. But now I heard somebody say they're so far out dated or mice are in them they're mice they're actually it. scrapping some of these new trucks really? now yeah just to get rid of the inventory so like apparently one of the going. issues was a connector okay. that allowed the uh the connector wasn't there so mice could get in them no kidding yeah so they had this uh, yeah i i don't want to speculate yeah, i've just, heard this is i've here, heard so. that from some people that actually we're close enough to the ford factory here there's yeah. people that live in this community that work there right and uh, i don't I don't want to say they're regretting that decision, but I don't think it's the best decision. Well, of course, no. with Ford's, in Ford's defense, I think they thought the trucks were going to be sitting for four to six weeks, and yep. they ended up sitting for yep. four to six months. Yeah, right. So, you know, if their initial plan would have worked, it would have been great. It would have been fine. And then they were so far down the road, they were committed. Right. And I, I don't know if the other ones had a chance to learn from their mistakes, and that's why General Motors or others went a different direction. Right. I have no idea, but... But uh, give all these companies credit. I mean, all these companies are trying to find oh, ways. Absolutely. Trying yeah. to find ways to uh, to keep 
going. In, and they're keeping people employed. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. So. yeah. They all they all deserve a pat on the back for that. Yeah, I don't want to uh, I don't want to get down on Ford for what they did. I, I think they honestly made the decision they thought that was best. They for made them. a gamble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in sure. hindsight, being I mean, if that would have worked out and they were the only ones that had trucks, I mean, it could have been a home run either way right. too. And uh, who knows? I mean, my truck may end up having problems because they got some <laughs> off-brand random process around there. Yeah. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. The next. Uh, Ag topic, I guess, would be uh, meat protein. And uh, I've been working with you, Jason, on trying yeah. to get some beef back to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania for you at a dis- well, discounted started, price. So. I started sending you pictures since the last podcast. Yeah, of, it's, it's ah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our shelves are bare. Compared to what we see down here, I don't go grocery, well, I don't go grocery shopping at all, but yeah. I'll ride along with John Livy when they go grocery shopping. And our stores are pretty well stocked. You see a little bit from the Tell City Walmart to the Cordon Walmart, but there are nothing like the Pennsylvania Walmarts or no, Costco. I mean, or, or, or Walmart may end up starting looking like theirs after Thursday. Yeah. Oh, because of the fire. That yeah, fire up there. There's a fire, the yeah. large distribution yeah. center up there. Well, that probably means that ours are going to hurt even more. Yeah. Yeah, but I, 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 but, don't, know, I don't know if it's because um even the bigger cities here i haven't really noticed it like no. they do up there no. you know Owensboro, or evansville and Owensboro, and even louisville but uh but i guess uh proposition 12 if anybody's got time to look up proposition 12 california voted this through back in like 2015 okay and it's kind of like an animal rights rule on animal space for turkeys and swine is this also not to cut you off where they get the the requirements for quote unquote free range and stuff? It's sort of it's not free range, but it's bigger okay. pens. You know, the gestation pens or farrowing crates, and then the chickens right. have bigger bigger pens or or free range eggs or whatever. So they voted this in, but it's never took effect, and it's it's only for California, but it's for all the meat sold in California. So. Mm-hmm. It's really going to affect all of the United States because all meat, meat goes, goes everywhere. Yeah. So they're still working through it. It was supposed to go into effect here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. They've put a hold on it. Really? Due to the inflation of food, they think Proposition 12 is going to raise the price of food even higher that people can't afford it. So they're just going to put that off. Excuse my language. Because the inflation's already got prices high enough already. (laughs) Excuse my language, but no shit. Like, what the hell do you think is going to (coughs) happen? So. Well, you know. I think it's funny that they voted something in for animal rights, but now it's already so expensive to buy food. Well, maybe this ain't such a bad idea anyway. So what you're saying is everything's profit-based? Yeah, it's profit-based. Well, let's, let's, I'm just going to. I'm just going to spit it out here the way it is. Animals are living human creatures, and they need to be treated humanely. I'm 100% agreeing to that. Mm-hmm. But there's also this thing called the food chain. Yeah. And at some point, somebody's got to take priority over somebody else. Right. And if it's me or a pig, I'm going to choose me. Right. I don't know how else to say yeah. it that damn simple. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying we have the right to mistreat her, but yeah. I've, I've seen some operations, hog, chicken, whatever. I mean, them things are happy-go-lucky and they're fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah. I mean... Well, it's what I look at is... We have come from mankind, whatever. We've raised pigs for as long as we can been in the United States. 
we've had open range pigs, open range chickens. They have developed these crates and stuff for animal safety. Right. And, you know, now we're going back to, like, 1940s stuff, you know. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's it's unreal. So. Now, a point that I would like to make with the Proposition 12 is we're sitting here laughing at these, these uh, lawmakers in California mm-hmm. that are, well, that's a bad idea. I don't think we should be laughing. I feel like we should be applauding them because they're actually thinking. I don't know if it's actually the lawmakers as much as the people with the money right. pushing it because... Now, rumor has it, one of the pushers was McDonald's. And now I think some of the board of directors on McDonald's has backed off and maybe decided that maybe they should just stick with fast fast, fast food, food <laughs> yeah. instead of a premium product, you know. so Because right. I think maybe Burger King kind of jumped into some of this bef- two or three years ago. Right. Maybe with some of this Impossible Burger stuff too. But I think they've seen some of their stocks plummet. And I think some of McDonald's stockholders seen what took place. Now they're kind of backpedaling <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so I don't know. <clears throat> there it is. It's profit well, in driven. In that situation, again. whether it has to do with these animals or this could apply to a wide variety of things, somebody put, so many people put these rules and regulations into place and then do not take into consideration the consequences of them right. whatsoever. Generally, they don't understand. And then... Two or three years down the road, that person may or may not be in office, and I'm not a Republican, Democrat, whatever, it don't matter. And then there's this whole finger-pointing game, but nobody actually wants to fix the damn problem. Right. And I, I fully understand rules and regulations, we need them. But sometimes we got to see the bigger picture and not look at the not look at just our shadow, but look past it. Right. Or, or we're never going to go anywhere. We're just going to sit there and keep turning around in circles. Yeah. Yeah, so. and it's it's kind of scary because the people that make these decisions have, and I'm not insulting their intelligence. They just they don't know what they're talking about. Yep. I'm not insulting their intelligence either, but either they don't take the initiative to inform themselves, or they take informant from people that are not qualified. To th- well, it. as yeah. either they're not qualified, or they're backed by money or an ulterior motive. Yeah, is where they're getting their information from. So they very well may be taking their best. Uh, they very well may be making their best decision based on the information they're given, but that don't mean they fact check the information they got. Right. Um, it uh, and I'm not picking on anybody individual. Yeah. I just no. It's I think it's it's there's something to be said that people should be held accountable for. Yes. They should not. Some people should not be held more accountable than others based on the letter designating their position. If they're at fault, they're at fault. I don't, I don't care, yep. you know, what side you're sitting on or what color you are. I don't give a crap. If, it's, if you're the one that signed this paperwork and you did not do your due diligence to understand the long-term effects yep. within reason, you're at fault, you know. Um, so <coughs> at this point, back to agriculture, based on things driving the markets right now, it's pretty much too late for farmers to go and – change their plan for this season oh no no, no we can change it we can change on the fly at any yeah. time as far as corn or soybeans i mean if we see a, a major market swing somewhere mm-hmm. or see a profit somewhere we can uh what now i'm gonna say not all farmers some farmers are set they're gonna stay on a 50 50 rotation i mean and what i say 50 50 rotation 
this year this acre gets corn, this acre gets beans, and no matter what, they're going to flop right. beans and corn next year. So now, now like our farm, we we're not set on no fixed rotation. We chase the market. Um, we I don't know. John probably gets tired of me sitting in the office, but I'm. I'm trying to figure out where I can gain the next dollar at sometimes and, right. and where I can chase a market at and which elevator's got the best basis or best, best price. And we're pretty flexible. We can, I'll change on the fly. I mean, now I guess that brings me up to two different questions. One being, do you think a lot of farmers may be switching up their plans right now? And if so, because you've mentioned corn being. Corn being very profitable at the moment, or at least bringing in higher numbers, I wouldn't, shouldn't say profitable. Um, do you think that there's a possibility we may see a shortage, per se, in other crops? No, no, I think everything's, we're right on numbers for right now. Um, I really thought maybe corn or beans, one would be short acres this year due to the cotton price last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, cotton was a from what I hear, you know, what I know about cotton, it's a southern crop. It was at an all-time high last year. Um, and that can take some acres out of corn or beans. But for all the numbers I hear, which March 31st is our first USDA report coming out. Okay. That's going to be the government's first stab at actual, I guess, on acreage here. And that will be a major market swing here. So that's just what you're trying to outguess. On, on selling grain, but as far as the marketers I'm hearing or talking to or listening to is, I think we're right on cue on corn and beans. Um, Texas is really, really, really dry. I guess that's what scares me right now is like 70% of the U.S. currently right now is in some stage of a drought. Really? And that's kind of odd for sitting here in March, but... Especially with the... April showers bring May flowers, so yeah, we might I, see I feel some like rain. We've had nothing but rain. That's crazy. March has been dry here for us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're sitting with like less than two inches in March, so that's we get uh, we've got rain, but like I don't, I think we, I thought we would have more than two inches, but yeah. it's just been all at once. Yep. Hmm. Um, I mean, we've been working dirt for the last two days. You know, sitting here March the. 18th, March 18th, and we've been working dirt the last two days. Pretty odd for us. So, hmm. um, we'll see what it brings. It's, and that's the biggest thing, I guess, in agriculture is we can do, we can do whatever we want, but Mother Nature's got the last call. Right. Yeah. So, well, I was going to say the three things that probably uh, come into account when you change your plan on the fly is probably weather, finances, and availability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go, financing again. Um, a lot of guys, corn's, uh, corn is king. I don't care who you talk to, corn is king. Everybody loves raising corn. Corn's fun to plant. Corn's fun to harvest. Uh-huh. And, but man, it takes, you know, some numbers I'm hearing, it's taking $1,000 an acre to plant an acre of corn this year. And that's, uh, say, two years ago? Two years ago, we was down around six or $700 an acre. So you're, you're talking about being up 40%? Yeah. So, no kidding. even though corn's king, corn might show a little more profit, too. Mm-hmm. Farmers are pretty leveraged on the bank. So, can you get the money to plant the crop? Right. 
you know, we're down to 650 to $700 an acre on planting beans this year. So you don't have to borrow as much money. So some guys might be forced to plant beans just because they can't get the money to right. plant the crop. So, um, so a friend of mine asked if um, he's a police officer, and he's saying, are there any surprises that you didn't see coming that are forcing your hand on certain things? He's saying, for example, the department he works for, due to fuel price increase, they're telling them that they're not supposed to be driving around much mm-hmm. and patrolling. It's going out on calls only. I mean, are you guys seeing anything? We had already going 2,000 acres of beans. Um, that was kind of our plan since January. Uh-huh. Um, we run really, really rolling marginal ground. We've had record corn yields the last two years, exceptional corn yields for us. I just got scared, gun shy to go bury a $1,000 an acre in the ground mm-hmm. and come in with an average yield, and I've lost my ass. Right. And then I've got – I don't have the money to pay pay the loans back at the end of the year. So we – I just didn't want to have the risk out there this year. So we went heavy beans. And now with this Russian invasion and watching fuel prices goes up, it's playing in our hand because soybeans take less diesel fuel anyways. Right. And I think we covered that on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the soybeans going to work well for us. Um, we can cover acres faster on soybeans, I think, too. So it's less trucking, less labor. And when you're running a, a limited labor manpower show on 2,600 acres, it's I think this year here, that's that's going to be our game plan. So unless corn does something, unless we see $10 corn here in the next month, you know, we're, we're going to stay set on our plan for right now. But Do you think I really don't think USDA has fine-tuned their South America bean crop yet. So South America has just come through one of their most major droughts, and they're harvesting their crop right now. A lot of private... Um, marketers have really, really brought the South America crop down, and USDA has not brought their numbers down on total tons, metric tons of South America harvests. I think if USDA ever recognizes the small crop down there, I think soybeans has got another, personally, I think another 2 or $3 a bushel left on that. So might play into our hand yet, but it's... I can stare in that cup and get more information out of it than what I'm giving you. So. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we put a microphone on a cup yeah. and call it a day. <clears throat> I was just going to say the reflection of the cup's looking right back at him. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy the... It, um, <clears throat> you know, this, and that's, if anybody can figure this market out, they wouldn't be marketers. I mean, they'd be millionaires. So. Right. Um, There's just too many moving pieces to the puzzle yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, it's still evolving. Yeah. I mean, and there's still... And we still of, ain't figured out if China's going to invade Taiwan yet. There's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of things that could make this a little mm. bit different, too. Well, they didn't talk about the NCAA was strange to the market. Yeah. The basketball game. Huh? Yes, it was strange to the market. Because mm. more people was out <laughs> about eating. <coughs> Beef prices are going up because of the NCAA, NCAA travel. People's out eating steakhouses <laughs> okay. and stuff. What? Well, it goes to show More you just how tight of margins everything's running on right now. Yeah. 
I, I didn't hear that, but I mean, it makes sense. It's just... It's spring break. Spring break. That's true. We didn't really have a spring break, break for two well, years. Two years, two years yeah. yeah. Yeah, it don't take much to fluctuate this market. Somebody can start a rumor, and the market's going to swing for a day or two and then realize it's a, a rumor and then come Go back. back down. Hmm. Um, I guess my last question on the agricultural front is, do you think, in your own opinion, with everything going on in the world right now, that it's really affecting our market that badly? Or like what you just said with rumors, do you think it's kind of, it's changed a little bit, but it's still par for the course? It's changed some, but it's still basics. It's supply and demand. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen for the past two years, our, our stocks are over. When I say stocks, it's your production versus your usage. We've mm -hmm. always got extra on hand. Right. But we've seen those stocks slowly dwindle. And you hear numbers. One time you heard 2050. One year you hear 2030. One time the population is going to outgrow food production. Now, mm -hmm. we just don't know when that's going to get here. But it's a kind of a double-edged double sword because you're gaining more mouths, and more mouths takes more land. for. So ag's losing land mm -hmm. and gaining more mouths. But everybody's got to realize that to do this balancing act, <coughs> we got to use technology. I mean, Dad said, and you know, when he started farming, and like, well, he started farming in '78, but you know, coming through the early '80s, he said, if if you had a hundred bushel corn crop, you was king. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was good. There's now, if you're not hitting 240, 250. You're you're not even in the ball game hardly anymore. Really? So I mean that's just how technology's going. I've really you know the world record corn crops sitting at six hundred bushel an acre. And what's the span and time frame between a hundred? Well, you go from eighties to eighties uh, from forty the years. Forty years. Eighties till now. Yeah, so but that's, that's, that's just, how the that's how the they've been able to lose ground but yet keep Keep production up, up. is what ground is in production is doubled it's production. more productive yeah right but we cannot go back to non-gmo organic farming or we will have mass world starvation mm -hmm. if we go back to raising 100 bushel corn we cannot feed the world right it'll be i mean somebody's got to realize what's what's the worst of the two evils mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how to do it. We're just. It's the reality it's of the reality. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, you're seeing $7 corn, $15 beans. It's all. South America just had a drought. Crude oil drives, I think, still drives corn prices. Stocks is going down because ethanol is at all time high. We've got a huge. Uh, pig inventory. We've got a huge poultry inventory that's eating corn. I mean, it's 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 going to get interesting in the next ten years. <coughs> Unless we find a miracle breakthrough on how to raise four hundred bushel corn on every acre. I need to find a guy that Jack bought his beanstalk beans from. Yeah. <laughs> See what he's got for corn. Get some magic beans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so how, how do we transition this into the second part of this? Well, I mean, you know, we've hit on politics and regulations and stuff like that. So, I mean, the best way I know to segue is, is how do you, what do you do to get involved to influence that or, or so make changes? What do you, the, the listener at home, do to save the world? Save your world? Well, I don't know if it's save your world. I don't, I don't think you can be sh selfish and say save your world. I think you have to go back to the bigger picture and, and save our world. Like, what's the, what's the bigger picture ball game? You know, I've covered this in some of my videos in the past, and I think we even talked about it on a podcast. There, there's nothing that peeves me off more than somebody that sits back and gripes and gripes and gripes but don't want to take action to do anything about it. So, you know, Chris and I are sitting here discussing all these things. We're not griping. We're giving you our opinion. Right. And then the flip side of that is stuff we don't share very often is we are very, Chris, in some aspects in the actual government level, is very, very heavily involved with, with entities that uh, lobby to get this stuff changed. I've got relationships with a lot of, uh, uh, got relationships with a lot of um, politicians and, and leaders in I mean, I do a lot more stuff on a local level as far as improving the quality of life in our community. Um, I venture out into their stuff. Chris does a lot of stuff on the state and federal level. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it, the power is in numbers. It's that simple. It's numbers, you know, and, and Chris can elaborate on this in a minute. He's in, involved in different organizations that group people together that present to politicians or leaders or whoever you want to call them and I hate to say it in some aspects but a lot of times this, the squeaky wheel gets the attention mm -hmm. is what it comes down to. I'm not a big fan of the the, the protest or the big show with the steps of the Capitol or the <clears throat> steps of the State House. What that gets you is a lot of attention for a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. What you need is persistent attention to the right people. You don't need to make a big public scene. You don't need to blow it up all over social media. You don't need to be, have it all over the media. You need to have your group together. You need to be organized. You need to find the individuals you need to talk to. You need to be educated about what you're lobbying for. And you need to stay, be persistent with it. Uh, it's just that simple. And I've uh, I've had a tremendous amount of success doing that on, on the local level. We've uh, I think we've covered this in some podcasts before with community involvement. Mm -hmm. And I'll let Chris take over here a little bit. He's involved with a couple different entities that do it on a state and federal level. And, and they've had some success as well. Uh, and, and in some cases, I think Chris and his organizations can be that informant, you know, for some of these politicians making these here, here's what here's what these guys are telling you. Here's what it's how it's going to affect us mm -hmm. before you go make that decision. Mm -hmm. and, and Chris volunteers his time to do that. I volunteer my time to do that. But I feel like it's important to make sure my kids have a future and I have a good quality of life while I'm on this earth, mm -hmm. and we don't get so far down some crazy rabbit hole that we can't get ourselves back back out of it. So I'll let Chris take over. You and know, um, yeah. There's a couple of different words that come to mind, and that's you know. An main organization we're using for uh, government uh, advocacy or, you know, ag advocacy is the Farm Bureau, uh -huh. and we've discussed that before. So is who's got clout, 
you know, and that's the word we've used uh, quite a bit. And I don't care if you're talking about a county farm bureau, a state farm bureau, or or American Farm Bureau. You know, we've got recognition at every level. I mean, we're we're in the state house, we're in the national house, lobbying day in day out. And just like Mike said, you got to be there every day. Now they do. We do have our hired lobbyists there coaching us I guess or or keeping up on the stuff uh-huh. but you've also got to have your grassroots people that's voting these uh, officials in uh-huh. you got to be there in their office too so you got to have your grassroots there every day in somebody's office talking but as you're talking you've also got to listen to their side of the story too uh-huh. But we just got to get up there and tell our story. I mean, that's all you got to do is just tell your story, do it politely, and, and move on, you know, and just but stay persistent. Right. You know, our state representative, I call him once a week or, or once every other week while Indiana's in session. And um, I even took my Farm Bureau hat off and, and reached out to phone call and helped, you know, Derby Community Association here was having some trouble. And it seems like things got to rolling pretty quick on that, just – by one phone call and having one connection there. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just, and Farm Bureau has really, really, really had some success with some stuff. And we've got some stuff that didn't go our way very well, but you don't sit and cry about it. You, you put your big boy pants on and move on and uh, right. find, you, find, your, you find your next uh, well, uh, solution <clears throat> or your next problem and, and go at it. So, you know, to Chris's point, well, at least he tried. I mean, I think that gives him the right to complain or have a little bit of opinion because he was involved in trying to make a difference. I don't want to harp on this too much, but like I said earlier, you can't, if you're not happy with the way things are going, you can't get on social media and blast it. I mean, that does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. Uh, the people on social media aren't voting for any of these changes. or. Also, it almost discredits you a little bit. Yeah, you need to make a few phone calls behind the scenes, find out who's behind what you don't like, have discussions with them, get petitions going, do all the right things. I mean, you'd be amazed if you just spent a little bit of time um, what you can actually accomplish if you do it the proper right way and the proper mm-hmm. channels. You know, I'm going to elaborate a little bit on what Chris said, you know, I'm heavily involved with the Derby Community Association, and uh, we've been working for the last year and a half to put in a new uh, dock. You know, the riverfront's very important to Derby down here as far as uh, recreational traffic coming in. Mm-hmm. And you got to keep in mind, Derby communities like the community itself is like 75 or 100 people. I mean, it's a very small community, and we've raised close to $100,000 to put this dock in, which is a substantial amount of money for a small community. Mm-hmm. And we're going about doing everything right. You know, we're going to work on the river. So we filed permits with the Corps of Engineers. We filed permits with the DNR. And we filed permits with IDEM, which is the, basically the Indiana Environmental Services. Um, Corps of Engineers loved our plan because we're taking a wooden dock out that gets stuck in their dams and we're replacing it with a steel structure they'll never have to worry about and it prevents erosion. They were, go for it, boys, have at it. Indiana DNR looks all over everything. They said we're not... You know, and and anything we're not destroying any habitat or anything major. It's rip rap area. Sign off, go for it. IDEM says if DNR is happy, we're happy. Then last minute, some random biologist drives down from 
Bloomington and um, just starts spitting out absolute gibberish. I mean, the stupidest stuff you ever heard in your life. And you've got a group of individuals in Derby that have got a combined 150 years working on the river. Uh-huh. And they're very nicely just can't even understand what this guy's even fathoming. Uh-huh. And basically he's going to shut us down over the smallest little technicality ever. And, of course, you know, a lot of people could lose their lose their cool there and right. and uh, and go down some paths that probably wouldn't be productive. Um, and a few of us almost did, but at the end of the day, what ended up happening is we left that meeting, gathered our facts. After we had our facts gathered, uh, Chris knew our local representative very well. And um, at that point, we uh, Chris got us in contact with him. We presented our case to him. He could not believe the way we were treated. And, and, and basically this guy had absolutely no merit to what he was. It was a personal vendetta about something. And uh, within 45 minutes, we had a permit. Hmm. And then this guy called back and said it's not valid and I'm not sure if he still has a job. So the flip side of that is, if you are in government, take into consideration what your decision affected. How many other communities, we're in trying to improve public property. Mm-hmm. We're going about it the proper way, going through every channel. Right. And then you're going to tell me that I'm running one salamander's breeding ground, when in reality I'm adding more area for them to breed because we're increasing the riprap coverage. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to tell me that we can't put steel walls up and down the river when there's almost three miles a year drove up and down the river. Like, he don't even have a valid argument. So. Yeah. My point to this conversation is, gather your data, find the right person, present, and a lot of times you'll be surprised what the result is. Now, there's a lot of groups in the news anymore, and I'm not going to single any of them out because I don't think it's relevant. Uh, A lot of people blame XYZ group, LMNOP group, whatever group, for all these issues. Do you think it's... Fair to say that if you feel so strongly that such and such group is at fault, perhaps you should educate yourself on a topic being discussed and give some constructive resistance. Now, I'm not saying go protest, but kind of like what you guys are saying, you know, get your ducks in a row and go through the proper channels and the proper procedures and show up and create an opposition. Well, so here's my opinion on those groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, the one reason they become so popular is because of the media. Yeah. Um, so, just like I said, you can't believe everything you see on YouTube. What you see in the media is very, very one-sided. Mm-hmm. So, before you take what you see on there, just, I mean, Google's a wonderful thing if you want to look hard enough. Yeah. It, it don't take, we, have the, we walk around these computers in our hands. Google it, read a handful of articles, educate yourself, and don't take somebody else's word for it. Mm-hmm. And you may find out that uh, what you see is a whole lot different than reality. Right. So I, I, I think um, um, we're all guilty of it. Did you see that on the news? Did you see that oh, on absolutely. Facebook? You know what I mean? And, and what the, I'm not saying what the news said was wrong, but they may have gave you one sentence of a paragraph. Right. And, and, and that sentence may not even be irrelevant to the paragraph is the best way I know to describe mm-hmm. it. There was- yeah, I'm sitting on several boards and president of two boards right now. But, you know, and then after an event goes on or, 
you have an evaluation event, you've always got somebody complaining or you should have done this, you should have done that. But on all the – well, not all the boards, 90% of the boards I'm on, there's vacant seats available. I'll tell them if they've got a problem or they think they can make a difference or make it better, there's empty seats. Yeah. Come well, on and join please and help we, us out. Uh, I think we covered that pretty well in the video. Yeah. Um, of the building the 4-H uh, yeah. track. Yeah, and which, Honestly, that ended up having a good result. Yes, it did. So, um, I don't know. I'm going to hit on it a little bit. I don't want to go into a whole lot of details, but um, Chris, one of the boards Chris sits on is a local 4-H board. Right. I just think it's a good example of how things can happen if everybody has their mind in the right place. But long story short, there was some, I was doing the uh, motocross track and observed a few things. Um, posted a video about it. I didn't mention any names or call anybody out, but I just kind of gave my thoughts on people volunteering and donating their time and jumping to conclusions and not getting involved and spoke about it for about, I don't know, 10 very, minutes. I've, I've watched that section of that video about 50 times. <laughs> very inspirational. So <laughs> that's scary. But uh, yeah. so anyways, Chris took it to the, Chris being the president of the, of the 4-H, he took it to the meeting and played it out loud. Of course, I never mentioned which 4-H it was, they were mentioning any names, and right. I think Chris could jump in here if I'm wrong, but they were, a lot of people had the impression that I'm glad our fair is not like that. And Chris was like, this is our fair. By the way. <laughs> Which I think yeah. was, was eye-opening to a lot of people in a, in a good way. Mm -hmm. but, but the whole purpose of the speech is, is if you don't like, one of the complaints was there was the restrooms weren't unlocked and people were just, this one person was just up in arms about the restrooms were unlocked. If you don't like it, get involved. Uh -huh. Yeah. If it had an extra volunteer, the restrooms may have been open. Right, had you to wait too long concessions sound. Yeah, then the line of the concessions in, it's just ridiculous, just ridiculous. I gotta wait five minutes for a fair cheeseburger. We're shorthanded, we're trying to find volunteers. And to Chris's point, get involved, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Um, and and there, there was other things that went on and on and on. But. Well, if I get involved, I'm not going to get a cheeseburger. You get free cheeseburgers if you get involved. Well, unless you're the guy building the, the motocross track, and I had to pay for mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, but you got a banner put up. I did get a banner put up. <laughs> I mean, did you have a... But, but they charged me a gate fee coming in with a bulldozer. <laughs> did you have to pay extra? They didn't, they didn't charge me for the trailer. Oh. They like, yeah, it's fine. That was nice of them. <laughs> no. Now we can get easy pass and feel the same. You know, I think me and Mike's almost got the same theory or mentality. We we sit on a lot of boards. We do a lot of community service, a lot of... A lot of community service, making quality of life better. But neither one of us sit on a, a government or have a government position or never have run for a government position. I've thought about it a couple times, and I slapped myself and woke up and decided that wasn't what I needed. But I just don't know. I, I'm glad there's people that does it. I just don't think that's where I'm best suited at or best needed at. I've... Um... I feel the same way about a lot of that. I mean, the first reason I don't run for government office is I'd be divorced and I can't afford it. Uh, but the second reason is I just feel like my time is better spent, whether it's dealing with something at the Derby Boat Dock or dealing with something with 4-H or dealing something with the Perry County Parks. or, or I can just go where I'm needed. You know, I, I, I used to sit on the Perry County Solid Waste Board and did some stuff there, but um, I'm heavily, heavily involved, but I don't, I don't have a government office. You know, but I'm, I think you're the same way. I yeah. mean, county commissioners call me from time to time looking for ideas and guidance and, yep. and different leaders in the community, uh, mayors. 
I mean, I'm, I'm in the circle. Mm -hmm. I just don't yeah. have a title. Yeah. And I like it that way because a lot of times I can go home and don't have to deal with the phone calls and stuff. I can just deal with what issue what is. or what I, I feel is important at the time and, and push, push forward on it. I mean, within reason, you don't have a rule book either. No, you still have to be respected and professional. Yeah. Right, but I don't. Yeah, I don't have to follow some of the protocol. Some of the right. so-called air quote elected officials have to uh, do. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's. I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but there's no doubt everybody in this county knows who I am when it comes to mm -hmm. elected officials, whether it be good or bad. Uh, my sheriff only likes me every four years, election year. <laughs> 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 that's his year. That's his year. He yeah, likes me this year. I remember. Uh, I remember when I, one of the first times I came down here, and I think the mayor joke was going around still. The, oh, the Derby mayor joke. Yeah, and I, I looked at Jen. I was like, "Does everybody know Mike?" Oh yeah, everybody knows him. Half the people like him, half people can't stand him. <laughs> everybody knows him. But it yeah. switches. It depends on what I'm pushing for. Yeah. You know, they flip-flop yeah. a little bit. It'd be interesting if you run for an office. Would Jenna be on your team or the opposing yeah, that's team a good, to make that's you a good lose? Question. <laughs> depends on the day of the week. Yeah. That's a good question. No, so. it's, like hard, said, it's hard to run for office and be in business because um, everybody's not going to agree with your... Yeah, and you're giving yourself and a kiss of death. I'll tell you what, and it ain't easy. It ain't for the glory to have your name on the board. I'll promise you that. I don't do it for the glory. I don't do it to have my name broadcast all over the place. It takes a lot of hours of volunteer If you're going to do it right. To it do does. it right. I mean, I went to the fairgrounds Monday to have a, a one-hour meeting with an electrical company. I ended up up there five hours doing six different jobs that just kept snowballing. But while I was there, I did it, you know, and then – Turn around and come out of town, stop at the Farm Bureau office, and take care of a job there. I mean, it just takes time. I mean, time I'm on the Farm Bureau, I'm on the Perry County Fairgrounds, the Perry County Livestock Committee. I am a volunteer fire department for Central Perry, if it is a fire department, I guess. Um, <laughs> we have been this week. I've, we had five fires in five days. I'm about wore out of fires. But we did save we did save the footer of the one house <laughs> <laughs> for the second time. It, it caught on fire Saturday and it caught on fire three days later. It caught on fire Wednesday morning at three thirty in the morning. So this is Ronnie's house. Yeah, really. Yeah, it, it flamed up three days later again. Brush fires, but I mean it's hard, guys. I mean it's on the fire department too. I mean if you're busy, it's you got to put down everything you're doing. Find the wheels. And go do it, or a page goes out at two thirty in the morning. You, you're trying to get your sense and get your pants on, your shirt, and running through the house, and your boots are on the wrong feet when you get to the fire, and you realize you didn't even have socks on, and you're trying to take care of things. So I mean, it's it takes a lot of time doing that too. So, and those volunteers are a lot harder to come by than they used to be. And I mean, I know Mike's got some issues with Central Prairie too, and. We can build a brand new firehouse. We can put brand new fire trucks in it. But you need people. With the f five fires I've been to in five days, it's been the same ten people there. And now those ten people, there's six of us over forty years old. We just—I don't know how to get the young manpower into the, the fire department, you know. And I, we have worked with our state representative trying to make some tax breaks, even you know trying to get some tax breaks for. Right. Some guys to try and incentivize them to get in, but 
But everybody's just got full-time jobs. And, I mean, yeah, we team up with Anderson, and, yeah, Anderson can roll fast, but it seems like Anderson's got more full-time farmers over there than what we've got here, too, what helps them, I think. So, And... There's a, there's a lot of issues at play yep. there. It's not yep. any quick fix, and I think that's a whole other yep. a whole other discussion. It's one reason that I don't. Uh, uh, I'm very very appreciative of Central yep. Prairie Fire Department having them, but at the end of the day, they are very ineffective at yep. what they do. But I can't yep. I can't say that because I don't have the time to dedicate to it. Yep. They do the best they do they they do the best job they can with what they got. Right. And by the time you get out of bed or quit what you're doing. Get in a pickup, run to a firehouse. Hopefully, the truck starts. It's all volunteer, put together and maintained, and and take off. And then we're rural area. Yeah, we we stretch out, so it is a struggle. And then we don't have the fire hydrants on every street corner. So then you got to start trucking water, thousand gallons at a time. Is that's what you're doing, yeah, I'm tired of trucking water. I've trucked water too far. <laughs> I'm, I'm just running. I've ran 400 miles and didn't go nowhere that one day. Right. And it was 26 degrees and wind blowing 30 mile an hour, and you're soaking wet and water spraying everywhere. So. Now, does it ever cross your mind what the hell am I doing out here? Making your quality of life better for your community. I mean, that's all it is. It's just trying to help a neighbor. I mean, it. Especially when this house fire burned. I mean, you hate seeing it happen to anybody's house burn down. I'll promise you that. But when it's somebody, you know, it's it's even a little rougher. So, mm-hmm. which nine times out of ten, our community, it's somebody. Yeah, you know, we live you in know, a we yeah. live in a pretty small live in a pretty small community. The brush fires. I don't mind the brush fires. It's very little property damage. I mean, a garage fire. I just hate house fires. It's yeah. and I think. I question our, our training or our personnel training, you know. You see your bigger cities, you know, they've got – they're in the smoke and fighting and holes and stuff. And our guys will put tanks and their tanks and masks on, but I ain't going to do it. I I suck a tank down in 30 seconds. I'm fattening out of shape. But they go into some smoke, but they, they back out. You know, there's just – I don't know. We just ain't got the – the slingers, you know, like the big fire departments has been trained, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're full time. Like we're claiming that there's a whole crew of firemen on shift all day. All I mean, that's yeah, I what they're training what, and ready to go at all times. I had to ask Cleman, but I I think they have some sort of training on a monthly basis. Yeah. And, and to Cleman's point too is, I think he would vouch this if he's going to go in a burning house with a hose. He knows whoever's out there is running that truck's going to make sure he's got water and he's accounted for yeah. taken care of. And if somebody's yeah. going to come in there and get him if he gets in trouble. Yep. With Central Perry, not only do you not have the trained guy to go in the house, you don't have the trained guy to rescue the guy or maybe even the trained guy to run the truck to make we sure he's We might run safe. out of water while he's in there. Yeah. Because we can't get water truck to the scene fast enough. So there's a lot of other variables that go involved. And, and like I said, I'm living my own rule here. I, I hate to say anything bad about him because I don't have the time to <coughs> dedicate to make it any better right now. Hopefully right. one of these days I will. I know. The one fire we went to, the volunteer fireman got to the firehouse and went to the pumper truck, and somebody didn't turn the kill switch off the last time. The truck's dead. I mean, that just it, it's not a good, don't look good on us, but it's when it's all volunteer, it's hard to fire a volunteer. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's several boards. You can get involved. I mean, there's boards. There's seats open on every board there is, fire departments. Um, 
fairgrounds, communities. I mean, there's organizations, the Farm Bureau. I mean, there's of there's something the, open everywhere. Of all the stuff I've ever been involved with, I don't remember ever turning down anybody that wanted to get involved. Yep. Now, where do you think the best place to start is for somebody looking to? Whatever you're passionate about. Is whatever the passion or the background is, yeah. You know, I'm passionate about the community I live in. Chris is passionate about the farming community. The rural community, ag community, yeah. I'm trying to lasso him into the Farm Bureau yet, so. Yeah. Maybe Miss Jenna will kill me too. We'll be able to they make a double casket. <laughs> I'm not sure that's where I want to spend eternity, Chris. <laughs> Nothing against you there, bud. <laughs> but uh, no, just yeah, definitely get involved. And you alluded on your YouTube, and then I put a little trailer up on my YouTube. You know, a few minutes after you put yours up, so. It's volunteers. It just everybody. Yeah, what? Uh, I don't remember the video, the name of that video on my channel, Chris. It was uh, something about it's building a motorcross track yeah. at the county fair, and why volunteering is important or something. I don't a know. A year and a half ago, I think. It yeah. wasn't even a year it's ago. Been last July. Yeah, it's been really? uh, eight months ago. So I feel like yeah. it was a lot longer than that. I believe you, but uh, the second half of the video, I think I, I think yeah. I'm speaking over a time lapse of tearing down the tracks. Yeah, where, it's a time lapse of tearing mm -hmm. down the tracks. Where is that? I don't even remember very, what very I said. Good. It is. Um, just kind of a brief synopsis of what we've talked about tonight, to be to be honest with you. So. And if your passion is to run for politics, I mean, definitely there's a need for that too. I mean, yeah. jump in there. and If you don't mind being the bad guy all the time, you know. I think for me it's more of a timing issue. You know, right now the, the kids are young, the business is rolling. Uh, the, I just don't have the time to dedicate it to do a good job. Will I never do it? Well, you know, whenever I'm semi-retired and, you know, the kids are doing their own thing, there's a chance I may consider it, but, I mean, I'll make that decision when the time comes. Sure. I will always be involved in something community. I, I have been for as long as I remember. My whole family's been involved with that. So, Dirt Perfect 2032? No. 2036. I don't think we're going that far there, bud. 2036? That sounds about right, right? I had something on Facebook. I wish I could find it. It was what volunteer meant, but uh, I don't know. It'd take me too long to find it tonight, but it's it's like being a volunteer means being a hero while you're getting your ass chewed out or something. <laughs> <laughs> you're making, volunteer work. You're, <laughs> you're making, you know, you're making, you're being a hero on one side and you're pissing somebody else on the other side. So yeah. you definitely got to juggle how to make everything work out. And, you know, the, the biggest piece of advice I say is don't get mad, get involved. Yeah. You know, that's the, um, that's the simple long short of it. People, people take so much for advantage, take so much stuff in the world um, for granted. And they don't realize the time and effort that goes into stuff to make it happen. Uh, from festivals to playgrounds and parks to uh, lobbying for um, and that, different things. I've kind of been uh, lobbied to be president of the two boards I'm on and but I don't mind being president of the boards because I put a good team around me or I got a good team around me you know I I dedicate or assign jobs for I mean when I delegate delegate jobs for people I don't follow up with them I just know it's done you know right. and that's my job as president of that board is just to keep the whole team moving along moving along direction. one way and I'll do the phone calls and cause through the 
that's my benefit or my can fill in here too with me not having a, a six to four job mm. I can make phone calls all day long being president and organize and arrange stuff and then delegate you know delegate these jobs to be done and and I just don't even follow up on some of them because I know they're done now you said that you're not you don't have your name on these boards for pride or whatever like that, but is there a sense of pride or a sense of accomplishment even in, well, in everything you get accomplished that makes it worth it? Oh, I'll, I keep it tucked under my shirt for sure. Yeah. You know, but I, well, I, I mean, like, there's there's a definite difference, at least in oh, what I'm, I'm saying, than the guy who's just proud to be, I got my name on that board, that's me, I'm president, versus the guy who could go to the county fair event, the motocross race, and say... You know, the bathrooms are open. When we have a successful motocross, you know, I'm I'm, I'm the proudest yeah. I can ever be or, or a successful whole fair, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just proud as I can be. But then, you know, come the end of the fair and they're wanting everybody to get up on stage and, and present who they are or what they do, I don't go. I don't want to be right. – I don't want to get up there and show my clout. But Right. I'm very proud of what I've done and, and what I've accomplished, but I don't now, get out in front of everybody and, and show it. Do so. you think that sense of accomplishment could, could keep people coming back to, to volunteer more and more once they've done it the first time? I'm trying to think how to answer that question. I never really put a whole lot of thought into it. I don't... Well, okay, so you and I have had this conversation in different terms already. Okay. Um, so it's the, the you're involved with a couple different construction companies. And there's a certain part of the skid steer that's coming out on a different company because of, not necessarily because of you, but because of input. some of the things you, yeah, right. input you've given. And it's like you said, every time you see that damn skid steer now, it's kind of cool because you, you know that the reason it has a roll-up door on it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but as far as, like, community involvement and... Um, I don't know if it's as much for me as a sense of pride or uh, recognition as it is just kind of knowing I left my mark. See, I don't like I don't, I don't people. Mean... I don't people. I don't need people to know that I did that. It's just nice that I know that people are enjoying something I helped Help be part of. Yeah. Which is what I'm trying to say. The rec- I'm not talking about yeah. recognition. I'm yeah. talking about you inside can look at a boat dock and say. To yourself, that's there because I busted my ass. Yeah, and yeah. maybe that's, that's you know. what I meant. Yeah, I mean, every time I drive past the Derby Community Center, not to be whatever, but if it wasn't for me and two or three other key individuals, that never would have happened. Right. And, and, and then it's nice driving by there and seeing people, you know, seeing a wedding or a graduation party going on and seeing people actually enjoying. So it kind of makes it worth it for yeah. you as an individual. It's, I think it's more of satisfaction, maybe, okay. than it is. Yeah. Anything else that's... Uh, I think if you're going to get involved just to boast about what you accomplished, that's the wrong reason to do. Yeah, that's not what I that, mean by the yeah, question. Yeah, that's not that's the wrong reason to do. It. But I think once you're involved and you have success with some projects, that uh, maybe maybe a sense of pride. That's what I was going to say. Be proud of what. Yeah, your be proud is. of what you did. Well, I yeah. see. Just looking around in society, and again, I'm, the commenters tell me I need therapy, but I. I <laughs> I like to look at society as a whole, and I like to pick it apart as best I can. And I, I think that we are generally lacking people with a sense of accomplishment. Um, because there's nothing, you don't, you don't get any accomplishment by staring at your phone all day or by complaining on social media, but you could get a sense of accomplishment by putting some effort out 
and making the place that you live and your family lives a little bit better. I think there's too many people does not. I think I know where you're going. I don't know where to take my side to. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's uh, too many people sitting back thinking somebody else will do it for them. Right. You well, know? and and I think your part is is maybe if people got involved and found a sense of accomplishment from it, then maybe it'll help their own mental health possibly. Or a sense of purpose. How purpose. About that? But I want to caution that if you do get involved in something like that, it's not overnight. No, no, no. I mean, the, some of the stuff I've worked on for years before, this boat dock's been years in the making. Um, so you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta kind of stick with it and see it through. But I think mm -hmm. if you do, you'll eventually see a result. Yeah, start but, small. But Maybe don't definitely don't get on a board and, and your first idea don't get majority vote or you know don't just because you're not not getting your way in the first right. six months don't get depressed and get off because you just yeah. get a new board just yeah. <laughs> you know i mean i've sat on boards and not got what i thought was the best idea but right. it's, it's a majority you know one thing, thing the, it, so. uh, the few boards i've been president of one thing I've always preached is, listen, we can sit here and have a heated discussion. We can have a, a heated debate. We can have whatever we want. Whenever we vote and there's a majority, whatever that majority is, whether it's your side or the other side, everybody's on the rope pulling the same way at that time. We ain't going back. We ain't talking about it. Decision is made. Get on board and we'll move forward. And I've had to remind a few people of that a few times over the years, but um, that's how we've been able to chug forward and make a college. Yeah. There, there's so many times that you make a decision on a board and the people that did the decision didn't go their way, they start building their army over here to come yeah. in and, and, and then you're split and divided. Yep. And if you're the president or the leader of that board, you gotta nip that crap in the bud right away and say, listen. Get together. We're Let's in this thing, we'll get it together. Mm -hmm. If the majority voted this way, there's been times that the vote didn't go my way. But if the majority made the decision, guess what, I'm on their team now right. and we're going forward. And that's you, how you get stuff been done. been on their team all along. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the, we've had very heated discussions, debates leading up to votes, but once that vote's made, that's it. And it's it's bounce stuff. act as a leader to give them just enough line to, to do their debate and argue, but then you got to pull it back yeah. in and, and you're, you're, get the, you're, get the If you're the president made. of the board, you're a mediator, you're a therapist, yeah. you're a judge, you're a referee. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a lot of different things. Yeah, you got to keep the meeting moving and, and get everybody home on a uh, and, timely schedule so they can... Don't feel and like it's a job. And there's a big out. difference between being on a board and being president of a board. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, there's that's a that's a big big jump. Um, but the right people in the right places, man. It's it's amazing you, what you, you can accomplish. Out, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Mm -hmm. and if I had a penny for every time I said no, I'd probably pay off the national deficit. Mm -hmm. But you just keep. I don't take no for an answer. If you're gonna tell me no, the first thing out of my mouth is gonna be why. <laughs> And if I don't like your answer, I'm going to call you out on it. Yeah. Which there's something to be said about why Miss Jenna deserves a medal. <laughs> <laughs> truly is. There, there's, there's certain individuals in this county, they see me coming, they go the other way. Cause, <laughs> and you know, what I, you know what I do? I ask them why. Uh, you go faster. I'm, I'm kind of surprised when I call some people why they answer my phone calls. <laughs> I'm like, why did you answer this? But thank you. <laughs> Yeah, we laugh about it, but it's, oh, no. it's all, you know, those individuals, they know darn good and well, if they need something and I can help them, they'll call me. Yep. yep. And I'll put all that other stuff aside, because if it's, if it's good for the county, it's good for me. Right. You know, it, I, can, I can see past that, uh, and, and a lot of them can too. It's, uh, we all deal with the, either, you know, here we all complain about the small town stuff. 
the big cities all complain about the big city stuff. It's all the same stuff, just different scale. Yeah. It, it's what it is. So. Yeah, I mean, actually, the, you know, the Farm Bureau got me into interesting places. You know, I've been to Washington, D.C. twice with Farm Bureau, so I flew for the first time with Farm Bureau. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, asking ask about his last flight. That's <laughs> on their podcast. What, the longer we one flight. <laughs> but no, it's uh, sometimes sometimes the right group can take you take you to neat places too. But definitely been you know to get to the federal houses and and sit there and talk to our, our national representatives and stuff and mm. pretty interesting. Well, Jason, I think that uh, is that going to about wrap us up on this one. I think so. I think that was a good little good little chat. Thanks to having Farmer Farmer Chris back. So yeah, I think uh, he said he'd like to make this a regular thing. And yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want to burn my welcome up. So. <laughs> I was just saying, I think he may have regretted it, but so I heard long, it. As long as the commenters keep liking them, we'll keep bringing but, them back. Yeah. So you know, just like uh, you guys made the comment before on this few points were perfect. It's just the timing to get all three of us. Yeah. With you being 12 hours away, we're coming into March. Yeah. I've been in the fields all day. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. has been at it all day. Uh-huh. It's you good know, we're, we didn't get started on this 8.15 this evening, so. Yeah. Yeah. This is a late podcast already, so. And I do feel that the, the people who watch and comment, especially a lot of the core people, they appreciate it. Yeah. They yeah. understand that. Um, and we're not here. I mean, we're just conveying our lives and our thoughts. I yeah. don't mean you have to agree with us. Oh, yeah. Yep. Please don't. I mean, yep. debates are great, it's, you know, because everybody can learn. Yeah, just inform yourself before you come back. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, is that the right, right, right? Yeah, yeah there you go. So. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Sure, appreciate it. Come, comment thanks. down below. Let us know what you guys think. Thanks you for guys having think. me on, guys. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.